0: What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross-like music. And this is The Super Sunnual
1: Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio.
2: Hello, and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living radio show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio.
1: You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to
0: the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Brown. Twisted souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com
2: Welcome friends, you're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast My name's Imran, thank you very much for your time and your company for today's episode We have a really, really great episode, I'm really excited to present it to you Before we get there however, a uh, quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue In Green Radio, the online internet radio station broadcasting from London, and we host shows from across the world. Uh, we champion independent soul, jazz, funk, Latin music, and uh, we'd love for you to check us out. Please visit us at www.blueingreenradio.com. You can find our stream Uh, to catch the radio anytime that's convenient for you but we also have the complete back catalogue of our past podcast episodes Uh, this episode is episode 54 we're having such an incredible run of artist uh, based um, interviews at the moment Uh, last week's episode Deborah Jordan and then before that one a bucket list conversation with Alan Evans from Soul Live and Alan Evans Trio etc etc Today's episode has me with uh, equal excitement, an equal level of excitement as we get the chance to talk to Camelia Hartman. Uh, She was the flagship artist for Dala Records, our tremendous friends. If you uh, go back to episode 35 of the Blue and Green podcast, we got to talk to the uh, label's founder, Billy Orkstick, who's an incredible musician, incredible artist, producer, uh, again, artist in his own right. But uh, as we said today, we get to talk to the amazing Camelia Hartman uh, her brand new single uh, is released it's called the, um, the Moment Your Eyes Met Mine it's so good and it adds to an incredible uh, catalogue of music that she has with Darlow with Past single was entitled At Least I Got My Baby, Return The Favor and Breathing Hard Over You um, Very Northern Soul inspired vocalist uh, violinist, session musician um just an extensive uh, catalogue and um, she's just achieved so so much and with great excitement we're able to see Dara get bigger and bigger and we're able to see Camelia Hartman's star increasingly rise and it's just an absolute joy to Kind of um, to to see it all unfold from a fan perspective. So we're thrilled for them. We're thrilled for. Uh Having the chance to talk to Camelia about um, her past releases, her music growing up, uh, life as a session musician, life as a session musician in quarantine, and uh, kind of uh, all, all the exciting things that she's achieved and what there is left for her to achieve. Uh, regular listeners of the podcast will know we play two songs in each episode. Uh, our guest picks our closing number. We have a great tune uh, from Miss Hartman All Clewed Up, A to Go and i have the luxury of picking the opening number so uh it would be rude to pick anything else other than her incredible new single so uh ladies and gentlemen if this is the first time you're going to hear a tune from Camelia hartman then you're in for an absolute treat so uh this is Camelia hartman the moment your eyes met mine then we'll go straight into our conversation with her hope you enjoy the show gang
1: my sister and her partner, which was a big transition to get used yeah. to being totally isolated. We didn't have Wi-Fi at first, so we had to get that in order. Um, and then we kind of settled in and then I had to come back to the city. So sort of in the process of redefining things again now.
2: Mm. What are the kind of rules there at the moment?
1: Um, I think things are relaxing a bit. Um but we are still supposed to stay home and most businesses mm. aren't open. Um, one thing that's been particularly funny is that, and, and I know in other places this is happening too, but bars and restaurants are doing to-go right. food and beverages. And as my dad has been saying, it's starting to feel like New Orleans here in New <sighs> York because people are just walking around drinking. <laughs>
2: oh, right.
1: In a um, joyous
2: way or, uh, or uh, this is too menacing now?
1: Well, I think people are clinging to whatever small joys they have. Um, And as the weather gets nicer, it's sort of nice to see people laughing, um, you know, in parks and on the street, though. Also troubling Mm. to see folks not in masks, but trying to just understand that everyone's coming at it from a different place and we're Mm. doing our best.
2: What would the last couple of months have been like for you had it not turned upside down? Would you have been was there a lot a lot planned sort of uh gigging wise obviously you have a new single out so there there probably would have been a lot in the works I imagine
1: yes well now that we're in May um in the there was nothing I didn't have anything really booked for May or the summer yet since a lot of my gigs come in um more last minute but definitely April I had to accept that a lot of the fun things planned weren't going to happen we were going to do a single release show um with the full band and um we were going to release the single much earlier but it's sort of been i mean it's been sad but also we're we're taking our time to make sure that we're doing it right um Mm -hmm. and sort of balancing the like excitement to get it out into the world and also exercising patience (laughs) and not overlooking any of the important details that come with releasing music
2: yeah how, how do you think that's kind of gone for for artists at the last over the last couple of months because there's there's obviously a huge mix of people that that makes uh they living off of their ability to kind of perform and tour and obviously that has there's been a huge impact on that have you have you felt that as well i mean you're on, you're an independent artist on an independent label as well as a session musician uh mm-hmm. for so many other artists i mean the impact must be huge in so many ways
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like in my immediate community alone, there's been such a range of responses and some people's sort of um, impulse is to just like create as much as they can, you know, in the absence of collaboration or finding new ways to collaborate. Um, But I know that for a lot of people, it's been really hard to find that motivation because we operate in such a social industry yeah and uh other performing arts are the same way and musicians are lucky i think because it's there are new developments that have allowed musicians to collaborate from afar i mean i've been a part of a few different quarantine orchestras and have had to learn how to record at home which is really new for me but i know that for um for dancers and for actors they're right. figuring it out too but um it, is maybe a a bigger learning curve for that. Mm. So I try to stay busy. I definitely my I had to buy a hard drive because my computer is so full of remote recording projects is <laughs> <laughs> a you know a good thing. I'm very lucky for that to be the case. But there are definitely some days where it's just really hard to mm. get my instrument out or find the inspiration. So mm. I'm trying to remember to be kind to myself and reminding my friends to do the same if they are
2: struggling. it's it's difficult because I suppose it's not really something you can force you know if in terms of the idea of being creative so if you're not motivated and you're you're, you know you're taking things in in certain ways you can't just right I'm going to make music even though I'm I'm uninspired. I'm I'm depressed about about things the way they currently are, and it's a difficult thing to motivate yourself to do when it's not flowing naturally. I imagine
1: exactly, and I definitely have found that in the past when I've had uninspired weeks or sort of dull chapters of my own creativity, I'll I'll know that I have a gig that I have to go play, and uh, you know if I'm hired to just play some charts that someone wrote or or contribute to a song that they have already written. It helps get the juices flowing mm. just being invited to join the process with other people. Um, so it's, as I said, there are opportunities to do that remotely, but it's not the same. So,
2: yeah, but you do have this wonderful new single, uh, which is, uh, which is amazing. This is your fourth single. Is that correct? For Dala? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yes, there was one that I guess there was a collaborative track that was me and Billy and Steve, um, which doesn't doesn't count. But it'll be my fourth single and the fifth song on Dollar that I have sung on. Yes,
2: wow, that's amazing! And you kicked them all off, didn't you? With um, with at least I got my baby. You're the the <laughs> inaugural uh, artist for the for their label. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. I remember what? the the night when. I went over to Billy's apartment and he in the same conversation told me he was starting a record label and that he had a song he wanted me to sing and we recorded it that night.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it was released that night and it hit number one on iTunes the same day as well. (laughs) That's so cool. That's such an incredible, uh, honor to have been around to just grow every year from strength to strength and knowing that you're such a, a, a key name uh, in its, in its history and its future is, it must be an incredible feeling.
1: It really is. I mean, I am so grateful to Billy for inviting me to be part of this journey with him. And we, we met uh, almost 10 years ago now, which is really crazy and have both gone through a lot of different phases of our careers and, interests in music and then we the stars kind of aligned for us at a perfect moment and now we're we're still riding it out together so I couldn't feel luckier that he is my collaborator and has been looking out for me since the beginning.
2: How did you guys initially meet was it on like a gigging circuit in New York or?
1: Well this is actually one of my favorite stories to share. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Um, So Uh, When I was in 11th grade at my high school, there was a concert that the school put on and it was sort of mandatory for certain students to go. And I was running the Performing Arts Committee at the time. So I was thrilled to be there. Um, And Billy's college band, MFA, which was an Afrobeat band, Mm. performed because the bass player of that band had gone to my high school So I watched them perform. I was 16 at the time and they were all around 20 years old and I was so blown away. And I, I thought to myself, I have to befriend these guys. (laughs) I just, my goal became very clear watching them play. And so I started working towards that goal that night. I stayed afterwards to help them pack up and, um, I rode the subway with a few of them thinking, okay, this is, this is good. I'm like, I'm getting in there. And then I just started going to see their shows all the time. And they would get me in underage. At one point, the (laughs) band leader had to lie and say that I was his younger sister because I was too young to get in. And they just astounded me. You know, they were a bit older, but they were so ambitious, all of them individually and as a group. And um, I, in the years since then, have become very good friends with many of the members of that band, Billy especially, and have continued to collaborate with them. I mean, as of a few years ago, I now collaborate with many of them, which has felt amazing because they were like my peer heroes for so many years. And um, here we are almost 10 years later.
2: That is incredible. That's so amazing. I can't tell you the amount of bands i followed home on the subway and still never made friends with them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It really made me believe that that tactic worked. If you just hang out long enough, they they can't ignore you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was me about to quit, but I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep trying.
1: (laughs) Recommend it don't give
2: up <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame mfa didn't how long did they actually run do you know was it it was just a few years while they were in that time together at school or did did they um, ever meet up together and
1: they continued playing together so they started out as more of like a a pure afrobeat band very much inspired by fela kuti and i had grown up listening to a lot of fela kuti in my household so seeing these like young college students sort of emulating that was also part of my astonishment and, and, you know, what really drew me in. But they, they did that sort of thing for maybe three years. And then another few years after that, um, they switched over to more sort of funk, like Afro-funk, um, and started incorporating uh, drum machines and pads and more, um, like, synthy stuff. So they did that for a few years, and then they officially had their last show in uh, 2015 or 2016, maybe. Oh, but they're yeah. all still around. They work together, um, mm. and they're still my heroes. <laughs> oh, that's
2: amazing. That's such a cool thing to say. Um, oh, that's very cool. I'm kind of intrigued, but like, say, you're were, you were a fellow fan as well. I I find the kind of music you're like associated with I, it's like it constantly kind of surprises me in a great way and like your I, I suppose your solo releases with Dala have been very kind of northern soul uh orientated but there's like you say you've got the, the fellow influences and obviously uh your 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 abilities with uh, a violin and um as as a member of the Astor Quartet as well you know you seem to come at music from such some so many different angles uh, and I think your your influences were, were from an incredibly young age as well. Isn't that right?
1: Oh, definitely. And they are definitely all over the place, um, which is, I think, our parents raised us well. They Both of my parents <laughs> were music lovers and come from very different backgrounds. And so they had the music that they grew up with, and they independently sought out a lot of different kinds of music in their youth and shared that with us. Um, my my brother and sister and I all play violin and all started at a very young age, so we there was just music in the house all the time, and um, it's been interesting for me to sort of navigate my my life as a musician, as a violinist, as a singer, and certain life events um, happen that contributed to my. Decisions to pursue each of those things at different times. So I am really so grateful that I get to make this kind of music with Billy. I love when I get called in to do vocal sessions with other people mm. in, in other genres. And then as a violinist, I play pretty much everything, even though I started out with classical training. Um, so that's what I love about being a freelancer is that I don't have to limit myself. And I'm always being challenged in new ways and learning from my peers. And it keeps it really fresh and fun.
2: <laughs> it is incredible. I guess the, the list of like collaborators that you've had, as you said, as a as a vocalist and as a uh, a violinist, and then there's the Aster Quartet as well. Is that something that's still functioning? Because I saw um, there was a, a few really great videos that I had seen years ago. There was um, Vera Sola. And there's a, a really great one I watched today of Queen Savage. Oh. <laughs> that was insane. That was so good.
1: Oh, yeah. That was so fun. So Aster Quartet is not, is not still functioning as a group. Um, but I basically, I spent a few years mostly working and living as a singer, and I was in a bunch of different bands. And then I realized... That I had nodes on my vocal chords. Um, I was losing my voice frequently and found out that it was because of nodes. So I had to sort of step back from singing and it brought me back to violin, which is where my, you know, musical journey started at age five. So the three wonderful musicians, string players in the Astor Quartet were actually friends from music school growing up and when I decided I wanted to throw myself back into violin, they were the first people I thought of. And so we formed that quartet and my friend, Danielle Vera Sola kind of gave us our first gig because she knew that it was all female and she liked the vibe. And we had such an amazing time working with her as she was also just starting out. Um, And I continued to play with her on my own for a bit and the quartet sort of dissolved um all still great friends of mine but now i i am part of many different collectives and the one that did queen savage is another amazing group that's um all female it's an all-female pop orchestra so i've done some really fun and, and just wild gigs with that group um and i miss that i, I miss playing mm. with the ladies <laughs>
2: Gosh, yeah. I mean, I, there was a the live video that's uh, available from your your website. Um, is yeah, the uh, Camille Trust is. Um, I I've never heard anything like it. It sounds incredible. It's with just strings, and she's she's almost rapping at times. I've I've just never, and the dance choreography on it. It's just it's just excellent. It really is excellent. And apologies, I thought that that was a Nesta Quartet uh, uh, sort of backing. So, but it was obviously different. Mm -hmm. group but that was an amazing video
1: it was so fun i love having gigs where we have to dress in costume (laughs) that was one of the highlights of that for me
2: (laughs) i think uh, you know like the sort of new york like music scene can be really kind of romanticized like i particularly if you're not there you know you kind of uh, these stories of all these 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 artists in different bands and always gigging and performing together and constantly collaborating i mean is it w- what is it like to sort of be like immersed in that kind of of scene as a part of dalla records which i understand is a lot of how dalla came to be in the first place uh and obviously that's sort of the life you also have outside of that record record label with your the session playing that you do from violin and and singing as well i mean what is what is that kind of that culture over there like
1: well, I um, would never want to be anywhere else, <laughs> and I never really have. I went to, I started college in Montreal, studying violin, and after one year decided to come back to New York because I, I knew that I had this whole community here that I had grown up with and an older brother and sister who were also in the music scene, and I just couldn't wait to throw myself into it. So I chose to come back and I've been here ever since. And I'm, I'm so lucky, just like the guys in MFA, some of the people that I work with now, I've known since I was a teenager. And, um, you know, I always dreamed of getting the call from them and now I'm getting those calls. So I do think that um, just putting the time in has been such a, a big part of my experience here. And there are just so many great ways to collaborate. I mean, I love that I have dancer friends and actor friends who I've done theater pieces with or even visual artists that I have been able to work with on different projects. And so I I do really value that in New York, the arts are so... I mean, even though it's a huge city and a lot of people vying to create art here... um, I think it's really supportive because no matter what medium you're working in, you sort of get it and can relate to other people and everyone's always looking out for each other and giving each other gigs. So I, yeah, I miss just like being out at a show and having someone tell me that they want strings on their record and, you know, <laughs> give me my number and a week later I'm in the studio with them.
2: It's a, Yeah, I must, I must honestly be in him. Amazing culture to sort of be a part of. I mean, it, yeah, it's as I said, it's it's sort of it's very, I think, romanticised from people not in it. But it's it does sound like it's everything that it's sort of reported to be.
1: It definitely keeps you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can be exhausting for sure.
2: Something else on your your website. I'd seen I'd seen this quite a while ago, and I'd heard of them, but and they they must these must seem like a world away now. But the uh, the apartment sessions which uh, just enamors me as, as a thing. There's an arcade fire one that I had uh, a video that I'd seen a while ago as well. I mean, to be a part of something like that, which I, again, those recordings must honestly seem like a world away bearing in mind the last few months, (laughs) but that those are incredible. What are they like to be a part of? You've, you've done quite a few of them. Is that right?
1: Yes. And actually that arcade fire session in particular, um, which was the biggest session they ever did. And it was close to a hundred people is so hard to imagine being inside of right now. I mean, what we love about those sessions is that we're all on top of each other and, you know, (laughs) recording in the summertime, it's really hot and everyone has such a good attitude. Um, but yeah, I started playing with apartment sessions at this point, almost three, well, two and a half years ago. And, um, If I hadn't started playing with them, I don't know that I would have pursued a a life as a full-time musician. Um, And it really was because of this trip that they organized, bringing 40 musicians to Iceland in the fall of 2018. And at the time, I signed up for this trip, not really knowing anyone except for the, the four people who run the collective, and thought, well, it'll be an adventure and uh, we're cool. And I was working a coffee job at the time and doing like a little bit of session work, but um, didn't really have a plan for myself in terms of transitioning out of like, you know, very part time music engagement to being full time. And I came back from that trip, and some of the people that were there asked me to play in their band, and I got involved with some theater pieces because of people there and um two months later I quit my coffee job and just decided to go for it so I'm eternally grateful and I my friend Gabriel Kahane who's a wonderful songwriter composer is the one who connected me with apartment sessions so I I do feel forever indebted to him (laughs) really changed my life
2: yeah what's the is that the the most um, what's the word unusual place for example that, that you've you've had to travel to for a, for a gig um,
1: or are there more definitely the most exotic I would say um, I haven't done that much traveling with music outside of the sort of northeast of the states hmm. um, and we we call that Iceland trip a tour because we drove around to different places but it it was its own thing. <laughs> it's hard to put yeah. into words. So yeah, I, I hope that someday I'll be able to travel and play music. And oh, though actually one other place that I went to that blew my mind was Bombay beach in um, California on the salt. Oh, wow. sea. And it's a man-made uh, sea in the middle of the desert. And there's all this kind of folklore about it, but an artist one of the towns on this man-made sea has been developed by artists and they do um, an art and music festival there or they've been doing it the past few years. And so I went out with Vera Sola and it was it was just uh, out of this world, really. They, there were art installations everywhere and sculptures and we played in like uh, an abandoned little shack with no roof. So, wow. And I had never really been to the desert before, so I remember walking to the edge of this little town and just seeing only sand, and I played some Bach there on my violin. <laughs> I might be the, the first person in all of history who has stood on this exact spot and played this Bach composition. <laughs> so, Yeah, that was very memorable. <laughs>
2: That's incredible. Are there places you would like to go for music in terms of festivals you'd particularly like to play at or anything like that? Hmm,
1: That's a good question. I mean, there are places that I would like to go to experience the local music culture. I'm I'm dying to go to Brazil for that reason. Um, And someday it would be really cool to perform at Jazz Fest in New Orleans. That's a festival Mm. that's... Really close to my heart. I grew up going there with my family. Oh, amazing! Um, other than that, I can't think of any in particular. My sister has traveled the world and played all kinds of amazing festivals, um, so I get to live vicariously through her, ability, <laughs> and I'm just waiting for my turn.
2: <laughs> do, do you guys have you collaborated much? You and your siblings?
1: We we have at various points. Um, my brother lives in California now, and. He has lived in many other places, so it's harder to, uh, you know, find us all in the same place. But my sister and I haven't done very much formal collaboration. We actually released a song last year, which was the first time that we were sort of the featured... We've done some string stuff together, but we released a song that we both sang on, and that was our first formal release together, and it was a cover of a very old song called um, Tonight... You belong to me.
2: And we were like a
1: great friend, old friend on that one. But during quarantine, actually, being up in the country together, we did more collaborative playing than we probably have ever done in such a condensed period of time. And it was really great just to have the time and space to explore that relationship. Mm. So hopefully, our goal is that we will record some of the stuff that we were working on there um and just have that to sort of hold on to from this time
2: that yeah that would be amazing I remember I think um uh your sister Odetta nearly came uh to London a couple of years ago because I remember Billy was on the verge of being uh, uh a part of the band and he had messy emailed me and said I'm probably coming over and we can <laughs> we can meet up I it I don't know if the the performance didn't go ahead or if he didn't make it over it it, it, it was one of the two but uh, yeah I, I obviously she she does have the incredible opportunity to travel everywhere doesn't she which is amazing
1: yes i can't even keep track of how many cities she's been to in the last few years and i don't know if she can either wow. <laughs> london is also very close to my heart i think actually the trip that billy was supposed to meet her on i i went to london with my sister before my iceland trip with apartment sessions oh wow And I got to see her play there and she has done very well in that scene. So London Mm -hmm. is definitely a place that Billy and I have talked about going to someday, (laughs) playing some shows.
2: Are there any places that you've seen that you'd like to play at, like um, Jazz Cafe or uh, was it Roundhouse that your sister played at? I think it was.
1: Odetta played at the Roundhouse, which sounds phenomenal. That's definitely a pipe dream. It's a
2: very nice place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know venue names as well she played at a place called um the islington which right. was a yeah. nice sweet little room but i just love everything about london so wherever, <laughs> wherever they will have me i will sing or play <laughs>
2: I'm sure lots of places would love to. That would be amazing for you guys to come over. You'd have to do like a like a Dala showcase or something like that, and just set up a residency somewhere. That would be awesome.
1: Oh my gosh, that sounds like a dream.
2: Do you guys you you've you've done Dala type performances, haven't you? In this in New York?
1: Yes, we have done. They're they're rare, so they're very special. Um, we did the last one. We did was in December. There was a Dala holiday soul review at a wonderful venue called Wicked Lady that has become Dallas sort of home base. It's right down the street from the studio where Billy has been set up for the past few years. Um, we did a single release, I, I guess almost two years ago now um, for uh, Return the Favor. So, it's, we've done only a few shows and only a few full-length sets, and mm. um, we were sort of gearing up to be doing more of that this summer, starting with the release show uh, in April that got canceled. So we'll have to start planning for that whenever we can do it.
2: <laughs> mm. Yeah, that would yeah, be amazing. You must be really excited to kind of the, the idea of performing again whenever that is going to be.
1: Yes. Excited and and nervous for what it will look like. I think it will be a while before it feels like what we know.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? It's yeah. I guess there's one thing for people to be allowed to do things like that again, but then there'll be a a contingent of people that just won't feel comfortable doing it for probably a really long time.
1: Yeah. We, I was talking to some members of apartment sessions recently. Um, There's a venue here in New York called Rockwood then is mm. um, it's like home for a lot of indie musicians. They have three, actually four different stages, uh, different rooms. And when Apartment Sessions plays there, there are you know forty musicians performing at the same time. Gosh. We were joking saying that uh, the future of those shows will be just the yeah. band, and then it'll be live streamed, and everyone can walk <laughs> <from> home. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's well, I hope. Well, I do hope, obviously, that that won't be the case for, for apartment sessions, but it is, you know, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? But you no, know, I'm sure it's it has too, too, too loyal a following and too devoted a contingent, I think, to ever something to be something that would fall by the wayside, right?
1: Yeah, we hope.
2: Yeah. So as relates to uh, Dala, we we haven't talked about the the new single. I apologize. Uh, the moment you met, uh, the moment your eyes met mine, it's a it's a wonderful wonderful song. And I kind of mentioned it uh, earlier about that kind of northern soul uh, approach that you take to so your solo releases with Dala. I mean, is is that from all those? Um, those years of of like small groups and like in college and uh and with with sweet and low and stuff like that. Did you always was Northern Soul kind of where you always envisaged your music going in that as a in that respect or
1: I I definitely wasn't involved with other projects before Dala that were anything like this, though I do think that from a young age it was sort of my dream to find myself in this musical space. Um, I, I grew up listening to so much soul and Motown and, um, in my earlier performance days, I think I leaned more towards folk music, which is still a a lot of what I do in terms of collaborative projects. But when Billy arrived at this as his dream project, I was so ready and felt Mm. almost like I'd been preparing for it my whole life and it's been really fun now that i'm living it to even like dig a little bit deeper into the history of northern soul and um expand on the the musical knowledge that i had since i was a kid um because billy's always like sending new tracks that he's discovered i mean he collects 45s Mm -hmm. and he used to a lot when he was traveling with charles bradley um so he always has something exciting to share and it's really inspiring for me um, and my dad and Billy also have a special music relationship. And so <laughs> we all are on an email thread, where we'll share things that we're discovering and, you know, with the goal of just continuing to expand on the project and, um, you know, trying to draw inspiration from the past while also giving it a modern spin Mm. and i think billy has had really great intuition in in doing that um and appealing to you know um people who love the past but don't want to get stuck there necessarily right right it's been it's really interesting i learn a lot from everyone involved
2: amazing so how did the the new single how did that one come to come to be
1: I think Billy sent me the original demo uh, a few years ago via text. And there was a period where Billy was traveling a lot. And so it was always sort of hard for us to line up our schedules and get into the studio. By the time that we did, um, we were really excited to get recording because it had been a while. And it. I feel like this song is definitely a different a little bit of a different direction and vibe based on the other songs that we mm. have released. Yeah. Um, and so we recorded the vocals um, a while ago and then added strings. And I think this, this is definitely my first song on Dala that has strings on it. Um, the Bobby Harden one, we also did strings on, but it yeah. it really just felt like we were sort of leaning into the whole atmosphere of the sound. And, and weaving a tapestry. When um, it's a slower song, it's uh, I would say it's a ballad, but it leaves a lot of, it left a lot of space for us to kind of explore new avenues of sound. And I'm really thrilled with how it came out. My sister and I and my friend Maytar all played violin on it, um, which was really exciting for me too, to be involved mm. with multiple sides of the process um so yeah I hope that people are into it and it's a wonderful song yeah matured a lot with each single so uh I'm I'm excited and curious and nervous to hear how people respond
2: (laughs) so do you you, that's a good good point do you still kind of do you get nervous when you release stuff or are you putting things out with the confidence that well this is me and um do you you get quite nervous about how people are going to receive it?
1: Oh, I, I definitely still get nervous. Um, when I'm singing, when I'm playing violin, I don't feel it as much, I think, cause I've spent so much of my life performing as a violinist, but I have, it's a whole different kind of jitters that I get when I'm singing live or releasing something that I've sung on. Um, and it's, it's good nerves. You know, I think it's healthy and has never gotten to a point where it's crippling. <laughs> um, but I think especially with this song, um, it, it's been a while since we released the last one. So it's like a good kind of nervousness and excitement to just be putting something out into the world again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Dala have a very kind of strong kind of identifiable like aesthetic when it comes to their music in terms of particularly their recording techniques, their their ethos of kind of recording to analog and and to tape i mean is is that kind of i imagine that's something that's probably important to yourself as well with how you put your music together
1: definitely and i i love the sort of raw sound of recording to tape um for the i remember when i heard the first when i went in to record the vocals for breathing hard um and i heard it back the first time. I heard so many imperfections in my voice and got so nervous about it then. Um, and, you know, Billy was very encouraging. And it. I had to just wrap my head around the fact that to get this beautiful, warm sound, you know, you're not going to be comping the vocals or like um, auto-tuning anything. It's just, it's your true voice. And... Mm you have to grow to love it and believe that others will too. And I, I think I have definitely learned to do that. Um, so I have been grateful for the experience of recording to tape.
2: It's like you said, I I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big believer in that as well, in terms of your, your true voice. I, I I'm a big uh, believer in what's, it's the imperfections that make a, a, the end product perfect for me, you know, and I, I so I'm always a, a fan of that kind of level of putting a record together because obviously tidying up every tiny thing, obviously there's huge benefits in that, but those, those, those small touches I think can, can really make a, a record in, in, in a way that the perfect inverted commas version uh, could never sort of do could never capture.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I also think that in terms of, the folks who have supported us and listened to us there, it feels to me like there's a degree of familiarity that you gain towards the singer. So I feel like people, yeah. it's easier for people to feel like they know me as a person through hearing my vocals recorded in this way. Um, and that's been really nice too, because I'll get messages from strangers sometimes and, know who say really kind things and there's just something like approachable maybe about the kind of music that we're creating and it has cultivated an amazing community
2: yeah i love the unpredictability of 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 dala releases um i remember like the ray mason projects that were practically rock you know i think by the time i was sort of really on the dala train i would really kind of got a, a sort of acclimatized to to like your singles or or, or billy's uh ep uh the stay strong ep and uh you know just as i kind of found my groove in that ray mason comes along and it's like rock records and it's like oh okay yeah let's do that <laughs> which yeah. is it feels like every record is sort is, is very different uh than the one before it and i i yeah i hold Donna to a high standard because of of their ability to do that
1: I agree. And I know that you, you talked to Billy about Ray's release. Ray is actually one of the members of that band, Amefe, who I met oh, Yes, of
2: course, yeah, ago. yeah.
1: And now we get to collaborate. But as you pointed out, I mean, Ray has had such a prolific career as a studio musician. And you know, by the time he was ready to put out his own music, it was maybe very unexpected based on his history. But also, like, if you know Ray, very true to who he is. And mm. I love that, you know, he and Billy were able to work together on it because of their shared history and also just like mutual understanding of of music production. And so, even though the songwriting I think is different than a lot of the other songs on Dala, it's still like it feels like it belongs in the family, the, you know, the catalog that Dala has produced. Mm. Yeah,
2: amazing. As, as, and as, as- very much does does projects from yourself. I think your um, you know your the catalog of of singles that you've sort of uh, cultivated through the label have have been as definable have for the label to sort of put them on the map as as any other project has. I I think return the favor was probably my first introduction to uh, to yourself and to Dala, and it's you know I. I clamor for camellia hartman releases (laughs) since so i was thrilled uh when billy got in contact to say that you had a a new single coming out and uh it's it is brilliant it is brilliant and as you've said it's it you you mature with each release and you present something a little bit different uh with each one so uh this is a great single the previous releases that you've you've had are are just as great and uh yeah so it's been wonderful to kind of have this time to kind of talk to you and Pick your brains, really, just about how you approach music from the multitude of of angles that you do, from from a session musician to a, a vocalist to uh, just a whole different catalog of, of of skills that you're able to to uh, gift listeners. There you go. That was a rambled way of saying you're really good.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so so much for <laughs> being interested and in, you know staying engaged with us
2: it's been a pleasure. Like I, I, like I said, just to see the label kind of, uh, develop the way it has every, everything that that's released is, is different from, from the thing before it and it makes every artist stand out on their own as well. So it is, uh, it's, it's, it's an excellent label. So, um, yeah, thrilled to have kind of been able to make contact with Billy and to be able to have this time with you as well. So, yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm appreciative of your of your time, of which I've taken up probably too much of. So uh, we, we we talked about uh, like a closing song uh, for this for this episode, and uh, I know you've gone back and forth a little bit. So I'm curious to know what you've decided to to send the listeners home with. Happy with today?
1: Well, I um, I, I the first thing I thought of was this amazing song called "Reflections of My Life" by the band Marmalade. Marmalade, I don't know how they say it, Um, but it's a song I grew up with, and it's definitely one that I've been thinking about a lot during quarantine, but I thought that um, since you and maybe your listeners are familiar with the Dala catalog, that I would share this song that my sister and I put out with our friend Oliver Ignatius last year, um, which is our cover of Tonight You Belong to Me. Amazing. Sort of psychedelic um the the song i think was written in the 30s or a very long time ago so it's our sort of modern take on an old favorite and um i hope that you enjoy it you and your listeners enjoy it
0: Tonight, you'd be loved.